0: John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15, should be a fairly uh, well-known passage about the feeding of the 5,000, starting in uh, John chapter 6, verses 1 to 15. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Another of of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. They also estimate perhaps at least 5,000 women and 5,000 children. could be at least 15,000 people there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, Gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet Who is to come into the world jesus knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force withdrew again to a mountain by himself Uh, john chapter six if you will
1: uh, turn there with me please it's also in your bulletin for your convenience Um, quick question how many gospels are there four okay a little slow on the question a little slow on the answer there Uh, everyone should know that four gospels And uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And uh, there is only one miracle in all four. And uh, we're reading it today. The feeding of the 5,000. And uh, it's interesting that as you uh, tell the story of Jesus, there are a lot of different ways to tell it. And uh, two of the Gospels uh, talk about the virgin birth. And two of them, they don't even think they need to tell you that. And yet... All of them tell you about the feeding of the 5,000. Something about this story is just so important to the, to the story of Jesus that they, they don't think that they can tell you about Jesus without telling you about the 5,000. And uh, so many applications from this story, uh, by the way, that's not the only four, it's not the only thing that all four tell us. that's the only miracle that all four tell us. All four emphasize the death of Jesus Christ, and the burial of Jesus Christ, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You can't tell the gospel without telling you those things, uh, but this is uh, that one miracle story that they all tell you, and this is the height of Jesus' popularity, and what happens is he is in the area of Tiberias, and his disciples have just come back From ministry. They've gone out two by twos and they've ministered and they're coming back to report to Jesus. And they hear that John the Baptist has been beheaded. And so Jesus wants to take his disciples and he wants to get alone with them. He wants to debrief them on their ministry. He wants to hear stories of their ministry. And they also need to spend some time in mourning and in quietness and in prayer Because this great man of God, John the Baptist, has been killed. They had all participated in his ministry and heard him speak. And now he has died. So they get in a boat. And they cross the sea. And they go to a deserted place on the eastern side of the Sea of Galilee. And when they leave, there are people who are watching the boat. Thinking, Jesus is in that boat. And so they guesstimate where it's going to land, and they head there. And when Jesus hits the shore, there are already people showing up because they want to spend time with Jesus. And more and more come. It's the height of his popularity. He just wants to be by himself. And he just wants to be alone with his disciples, but the, but the people are there and the crowd is there. Mark tells us, that when he sees the crowd he's filled with compassion because they're like people without a shepherd like sheep without a shepherd and so he has them sit down and he begins to teach them and I love that he has compassion on them and as he has compassion on them his heart goes out to them and so he gives them what they most need him teaching them and they're there All day. And after a full day, they're hungry. Jesus knows they're hungry. The disciples know they're hungry. That's where the story picks up. Uh, Here is this large crowd. Come to see Jesus. Notice verse 5. When Jesus lifted up his eyes and saw that a large crowd was coming to them, he said to Philip, Where can we buy bread so these people may eat? He was speaking to test him for he knew what he was about to do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii of bread is not enough for them that each receive a small amount. 200 denarii is translated in uh, modern scriptures as six months, half a year's wage. My old NIV has eight months. A denarii is what one person was paid for one day, so 200 denarii. And I thought, here's what Philip's thinking. I would think the same thing. We got 5,000 men plus women and children, how much is that going to cost me to feed them? I figured, okay, I would need 2,000 loaves of bread, 2,000 cans of tuna, but you don't get mayonnaise, that's too expensive, maybe $10,000. I need $10,000, and uh, Philip is saying, I don't have $10,000. But even so, where could we go to buy that much bread? Where could we go? I thought, I thought even if I went to no-frills, I, I don't think no-frills would have 2,000 loaves of bread. And my vehicle wouldn't be enough to pack it all in there. Much less I know they don't have 2,000 cans of tuna. Where could we buy that much food? We'd have to have cars going to different grocery stores to pick up that much bread. And uh, I think that's what Jesus wants them to see. Where can we get enough bread? You can't get enough bread. Besides, there's nowhere to go. We're in a deserted place. There's nowhere close. Nobody's going to have that much bread. Can't just go to one place and buy it. I like in Mark when Jesus says to the disciples, they come to him and they said, Lord, there's too many people here. They're getting hungry. Send them away. And Jesus says to the disciples, you feed them. Lord, how can we feed them? You do it. Unfortunately, people come to me all the time with ideas for ministry, and I have not been brave enough to say, "You do it." <laughs> I should be, <laughs> Pastor. We've got a good idea. Hey, I think that's a good idea too. You do it. Maybe I should do that. That is a good idea. You you do it. The idea was a good one. You do it. And I, I think Jesus is right. You see a need like this, you are responsible to do something. You should do something now, by the way, they will be involved. Uh, the past couple of weeks, there has been a statement by evangelicals. It's been controversial. a statement on social justice, and they were it was signed in Dallas. That's where they gathered together to sign it. and the one- par- the one problem I had with it was they said it's not primary to the church's mission to be involved in social justice. Now, I think I know what they mean by that. But when the city of Sarnia, the city of Sarnia, a couple years ago, said that churches could not have um, soup kitchens or pantries in them to feed the hungry and feed the poor, that the the, the Sarnia City Council wants to reserve that right to themselves as to where that will happen in the city and who can do it, and as a group of churches, we said no. We believe it's part of our mission that if we see the poor and we want to feed them, we will do that. We have that right as a church. And I think that's what Jesus is, Jesus is saying. Here we've got a hungry group. Disciples go, send them away. Right? They're, they, they're on their own. They, they were stupid enough to come out here without a lunch. <laughs> Let them go and try to find bread on their own. And Jesus goes, no, you feed them. Lord, we can't do it. So Jesus says this. This is from Mark. That's the longest story. Jesus says, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And so I can just see the 12 disciples, and they start to scatter through the crowd. Do you have any bread? No. 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 5,000 times. (laughs) not one man has any bread of course uh, you women out there know of course men aren't that bright to have bread it takes a little boy (laughs) who probably had a mother (laughs) who packed his lunch and it's funny in, in John he's called a little boy so not only is he a lad he's a little lad I'm guessing he's six to eight years old. And he's just out for the day. Joined the crowd. And he just happened to be in one of the best places he could possibly be in the history of the world. For a little boy to be. He's been out with a crowd with Jesus. With his little bag lunch. And he has five loaves and two little fish. Kind of like two little sardines. Uh, When I was a boy... And I used to go to school. This was in uh, Tennessee. And uh, I always had uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And there was a guy beside me. He would come with the weirdest sandwiches. I mean, the weirdest lunches. And one day he came with, this was his entire lunch, he came with a tin of sardines. (laughs) Wow, I got an amen on a tin of sardines. And I traded my peanut butter sandwiches for his tin of sardines. I had never had sardines before. And so I took out the little key. And you remember how you had to open the can of sardines with the little key. And I ate one of those sardines. And I can still feel to this day, I don't know what it is, the little fin that rubs on your throat as you swallow that sardine down. I can still kind of feel that in my throat to this day. So here's the little boy with his five little loaves and his two little fish. And the disciples hold it up. Here we go. We got five loaves and two fish. Notice verse 9. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter. There's a small boy here who has five barley loaves, a cheap, cheap, cheap bread, two small fish. But what are these for so many? What are these for so many? In other words, it's not going to work, right? We've gone through the whole crowd. This is not going to work. Some time ago, Rudolf Boltman wrote a book, Demythologizing the New Testament, and it was the height of scholarship in the world, height of New Testament scholarship. And Rudolf Boltman, in Demythologizing the New Testament, took all the miracle stories and explained them away. These are not really miracles, People are still reading that book today, and I found a guy who just wrote about this this past year. Here's what he says about this story. He says, let me try to explain what really happened in the story. There were many people out that day going about their business, and many of them had prepared their meals for the day as per usual. However, on this day, they noticed a great teacher. were so enticed by him that they chose to follow him and listen to his teachings, They remained with the wise man for hours, and their growling stomachs let the sage know it was time to eat. But how was this teacher and his disciples to provide for these people? They had little money and only five loaves of bread and two fish. Unbeknownst to the disciples, the people in the crowd did have meals, but said nothing out of selfishness. They didn't want to share their meals with those around them. The teacher, however, was wise, And knew what they were hiding in their hearts. So he gave thanks for the little food he had. Broke the bread. Told his disciples to give out the food. The people while watching this man and his followers forgo their meals for complete strangers were moved and also chose to share. By the group sharing and partaking together every stomach was filled and there was even some left over. To any outsider it would seem that food came from nowhere miraculously. To those few present, however, the real miracle was the moving of hearts. Um, The gospel writers would say there's no way that's what we're writing. We've sent the disciples through to find out what there is, and there's nothing. Now, by the way, even if I was there and I had food under my coat, and if I was hungry, I would eat it. I don't care if Brent sitting beside me doesn't have anything to eat. I'm going to eat my food. (laughs) You kind kind of don't even need to to go through this whole process if people are hiding the bread. Anything to get a miracle out of the Bible, come up with the craziest stories. And uh, ridiculous that it's some kind of psychological manipulation on the part of Jesus and his disciples to get people to share. Now, there are many ways that God and Jesus could have done this. Jesus could have rained manna down from heaven. And by the way... On the next day after this, they will say to Jesus, they expect just that. He could have rained manna down from heaven, and uh, nobody would have had to distribute the food. They wouldn't have to They wouldn't have to worry about uh, uh, giving it out. It would just come right down, and they could eat it. I wrote down here, I said, he could have fed the 5,000 by raining down hamburgers from McDonald's. That would have been great. The people would have been going, what is this stuff? It's in our little wrapper and everything. Like, this is wild. He could have. He could have put the food right in their belly. Hey, I'm feeling a little hungry. And a second later, they're going home. Oh, I'm not hungry anymore. I wonder how that happened. Jesus could have put the food right in their belly. But it's interesting. He wants the disciples to go through the crowd, find out there's no food, come back to him with the five loaves and the two fish, and then he wants the disciples to go out and take the food to all the people. And the disciples gather it up afterwards. In other words, they're involved in the miracle. Jesus does something spectacular, but the disciples are involved in it. I was thinking about this this week, and I, I, I thought, I've never heard this applied this way. I've always heard the story applied this way, that if you have a problem or a need, he can solve it because he can do miraculous things. Now, that's true, but what about this? If you're willing to serve God and do things for God, he is going to empower and supply every need that you have for doing his work. I love that. That's closer to what's going on here. Lord, here's some here's some hungry people. You feed them. We can't do that. Well, what do you got? Okay, now let's take the food out. Shouldn't we be involved serving God? Doing good things for God? Helping people? And telling them the gospel of Jesus Christ. And guess what? He's going to help us do it. Miraculously. Um, he wants us to be involved. And he wants us to be doing things. Uh, two or three years ago somebody asked me. A young teenager. They want to be a pastor. So they asked me. What do I need to do to be a pastor? So this is what I said to him. I said. Number one. Serve God in your church now to the most of your capacity. Do as many things for your church as you possibly can. And number two, he was in, I forget, grade 10, grade 11. Do as well in school as you possibly can. Because God wants you to learn English. And he wants you to be able to write. And he wants you to be able to speak. And he wants you to be serving people. And if you want to be a pastor, do the things that you can do right now. And get involved in ministry, and he will bless you, and he will help you. Uh, Notice what happens. Verse 10, have the people sit down. Plenty of grass in that place. The men sat down, about 5,000 men. And... uh, some of the uh, gospel stories, it could be 5,000 men, including women and children. Matthew is quite quite specific that there are 5,000 men not counting the women and the children. And it's hard to know if there would be as many women and children as men. Um, it's hard to say. I, my, sur- my surmising is in that culture, men are mo- more mobile and out of the house than women. And they would be more housebound in, in their daily chores. That's just my surmising. But I don't know. But at least 5,000, 5,000 men. And Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, distributed to those who seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Now the gospel says that when they ate, everyone was completely satisfied. They were full. I know when John does magic, I always see John do his magic, and I wonder, I wonder how he's doing that. What's the trick? Because <laughs> I know there's a trick. He's, he's tricking me somehow, and he's fooling me. And I wonder how Jesus does his miracle. It's not a trick, but I'd still, I still want to know how he does it. Does he just keep breaking the same loaf of bread, and, it, and be, be, between him breaking it, it grows back again, and he, and, he, and he does that? Or does he point to a basket and it fills up? I, I don't know what's happening. I don't need to know. He does it. Everyone eats enough. And I like verse 13. They gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left. Five barley loaves, and now you've got 12 baskets. Not only can Jesus solve the problem and do a miraculous thing, but you have more than enough. And I think the number 12 is symbolic, that he is the bread for, for Israel as I was thinking about how, how, would, I, how would I apply this, this this week to us, I think we believe, need to believe in the God who does miracles and the Jesus who does miracles, and he's still doing that today. Uh, John Piper uh, talks about George Mueller, and this is, his, this is part of his story, some of the incredible things from his life. George Mueller uh, started orphanages in England, and he did it, did it without any money. He never asked anyone for money. All he did was he prayed that God would send him money and food. And he started in 1834. And in 1834, in all England, there were 3,600 orphans in all of England. Those were the ones that were provided for. Many were not provided for. Twice as many as that were in prison in England. And Mueller felt that he needed to take care of orphans. And so for 50 years, he, he looked after orphans. And they figured that in England alone, 100,000 orphans were cared for by George Mueller without ever asking anyone for money. He prayed in millions of dollars. Now, some of the parts of Mueller's story I don't like. I don't, I don't like this part. He never took a salary for 68 years. <laughs> he never took a salary running those orphans. He did it all for free. He trusted God to put in people's hearts, to send him what he needed. He never took out a loan. He never went into debt. And neither he nor the orphans were ever hungry. He preached three times a week for his entire life. He preached at least 10,000 times. When he turned 70, he fulfilled a lifetime time dream to become a missionary. And he was a missionary for the next 17 years. From age 70 until 87, traveled to 42 countries and averaged preaching once a day. At the end of his missionary time, at age 87, he started preaching again. And for the next six years, he preached. He preached until his death when he was 93. Now, I didn't like that part because I was planning on retiring at age 65. And I know all of you were hoping for that. Wow, can't wait till Pastor Dave retires. How old are you, Pastor Dave? Led prayer meeting, March 9th, Wednesday. Led prayer meeting, went home. The next day, he had a cup of tea brought to him at 7 in the morning, and they knocked on the door. Needed an answer. They opened the door, found dead, beside his bed, praying. And he's... He's, he's just one of those beautiful pictures that God does miraculous things. God can feed the hungry. God can take care of us. But he wants us to be involved in it. He wants us to be doing things. And when we do things, the blessing will come. And the miracles will come. The enablement will come. And the resources will come. But it's when we're involved. Uh, next week, we're going to finish off the story of Jesus multiplying the bread, because the best bread is not the bread that he bakes and breaks. The best bread, of course, is himself.